Thank you for listening to the Family Life Podcast. For more great content, visit thefamilylife.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message and will be encouraged to share it with someone you know. The book of Ruth, the first, first chapter. Thank you for standing. Thank you for being in church on this, on this Sunday as we are in fall breaks of schools in our community this week and next. And I'm thankful that you are here today and should you be traveling, be safe. And we believe God's, God's best for us. And they lifted up their voice in verse number 14 of Ruth, the first chapter. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Now for the next few moments, uh, I want you to walk with me in the word. Let's talk about forward. Forward. God, I pray that you anoint us and that you would help us this day. Lord, we are, we are dependent on you. We cannot live, survive, breathe without you, God. You created all things, and all things were created by you and for you. And without you was not anything made. So now, know, Lord, we know by that, that that our very existence is dependent upon you. So, Lord, we depend on you this day. And help us to be reminded of that and help us to understand, God, that everything about us, it, it exists with you, Lord, and we must exist in you. And so I pray, touch our minds and touch our hearts and our lives, our homes, our families, and anoint me and anoint this people. And thank you, God, that you have brought us together for your word, for your glory, for your honor, and for the purpose of salvation this day. Lord Jesus, be glorified. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. amen. Now, walk to, uh, let's, let's, let's walk to four people today. And uh, you can do this. Stretch yourself a little bit. Um, Count them down. Say something really good to them. Look at them. You'll see it. It's there. It all started. It all started with hunger. Everybody say hunger. Hunger. Insatiable appetite of the flesh. The want and the need for it to be satisfied. That is what sent Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their sons to leave Bethlehem, Judah, which meant breadbasket, and go to Moab, because there was a famine. Uh, yet it was while there in Moab, in that famine, that there came a day that Elimelech died, and then in time, their sons as well died, leaving behind these three wives. Naomi, the mother, and the two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, they now found themselves facing a decision, a decision that ultimately their life would depend on. The three of them left Moab and started a journey to return back to Bethlehem. They had heard that once again God had attended to his people. There was bread there, in other words. There was bread to be found in the breadbasket, yeah. Bethlehem. Yeah. But somewhere, somewhere in the journey, Somewhere after leaving Moab, before arriving at Bethlehem, somewhere in between, you get this? Somewhere in between Moab and Bethlehem, not yet arrived, but in journey. Somewhere in the journey, Naomi stopped and told Ruth and Orpah to go back, to not follow her, because she had nothing to offer them. She had no promise. She had nothing that, 
that was guaranteed, nothing that would, would say that all would be as they hoped. She told them to go back. You know the story. Or at least you know the story of Naomi and Ruth. Uh, for it was Ruth that continued forward with Naomi and would not go back to Moab, but Orpah. Orpah chose otherwise. Instead of staying by the side of Naomi, instead of going to Bethlehem, Judah, where there was bread to eat, she went back. Something, something within her could not let go of what was behind her. Naomi even said it of her to Ruth. Thy sister-in-law, these were the words, thy sister-in-law is gone back to her people and unto her gods. Her people, thy sister-in-law has gone back to her people. Her, her people held the sway, her flesh and blood, uh, the character and the culture and the way of life pulled her back. The, the influence, the influence of others pulled her back. Thy sister-in-law is gone back to her people and back to her gods. Her gods, the, the things, in other words, that, that she served, the false images and the idols that had been set up in her heart, not necessarily on the shelf, not on the mantle only, but in her heart, were still there and held her hostage. Those things that she loved more, because that's really what idols are. Idols be, are the things that evolve in our heart and our life that we love more, that we put before God, that we put before our service, our allegiance, our love of God. Those are the idols. They may not be wood and stone in this present day that we live in, but nonetheless, they find habitation in our heart. Thy sister-in-law has gone back. Those were the last words that defined the rest of the life of Orpah. Those were the last words that we know of her. Those, that was what took place. That's what happened. That's what defined the rest of her life. Held by and holding to a past that offered no bread, only dead things that she could not let go of. Thy sister-in-law is gone back. That phrase can be said of that phrase can be said of, of us all if, if our heart is not in the right place. They are gone back. Oh, what a what a worse epitaph it could be. They have gone back. Where are they? That they have gone back. Moab held the unique reputation. Understand this now. Moab held the unique reputation of, of being just short of the promised land. That's where it was situated. It always had, had the name. It had the understanding. It had the reputation. Just being short of the promised land. Appealing in its enticement and its proximity to the promised land, but not fulfilling the destination, not the promised land. Not fulfilling the milk and the honey. Not, not being where God wanted them to be. Not, being, not going the full. Everybody, everybody understand this. Not going the full journey. Not, not completing the distance, a place and a people that were always at odds with Israel, an enemy of the children of God. Moab, the wash pot, was always considered an enemy of the people of God. It was, it was a place that people stopped before they got to where they needed to be. It was a place where people decided that that's where they would take up residence or that's where they would remain. Orpah stopped moving forward. She tried. She even started the journey. Get this. She even started the journey from Moab to Bethlehem. But the grip of that grave that Moab was would not let her go. She held to it and it held to her. Constant is the struggle that many face in their walk and way with God. Continually fighting with the fear and the desire. Turn this down just a little bit. There's got a ring on it. Uh, continually fighting with the fear and the desire of returning to where they have 
come from. The cycle, the cycle of sin that they have become caught in continually repeated again and again and again and again. It's, it's there in the mind. It's there in their heart. They, they're, they're just, they're snagged and snared by a Moab, by a habit, by a sin. Bethlehem Judah literally, literally meant house of meat or house of bread. And that's what was before her bread. The thing that would make her, you get this? That's what was before Orpah. It was before that bread was, was in front of her. It would make, make her live, but she wanted to go back to starving. She was more content with the satisfaction of the flesh, but not of what was right in God. She wanted to go back to where the things were dying, a grave that held her husband, a life that offered no life. Our flesh, hear me everybody, our flesh can know that before us in God is the very thing that will sustain and save us and yet it will wind its way back to Moab. Anybody? Our flesh can know the very thing that will sustain us, the very thing that will, that will save us, but yet it will wind its way back to Moab, back to a place of, of idols that we served and flesh that we won't let go of, that we just keep tethered to. Lot's wife, when leaving Sodom and, and Gomorrah, was told not to look back. She was, in, she was in the presence. She was in the presence of angels within eyesight and reach of something heavenly. I feel very passionate about what I'm saying to you today. She was within reach of, 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 of something heavenly, eyesight of, of something divine, yet still she could not resist the desire for one more look. And she looked back and became a pillar of salt. Look at this, if you would, please. When we do not let go of the sin and self that would hold us hostage in our heart, we can in time become halted and hardened to the leading of God. The more that we entertain sin, the more that we allow it to find residence in our life, the more that we allow it to find acceptance in our life, the more hardened and resistant uh, we become to the leading of the Spirit. We come into a service on a Sunday morning and we find every reason to be distracted. Or we, uh, we come into a service on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night and we fail to feel the wooing of the Spirit of God and, and we fail to hear the Word of God that should resonate in our spirit and quicken something within us because we are so hardened or we are so halted in, in our relationship with him that we can't move forward. Hmm. Hmm. She may have been following the footsteps of an angel before her, but her heart turned her head away from what was in front of her. She looked back and she lost her life. Simply stated. If we wanted to, if we wanted to go all the way to the New Testament and, and surmise and sum up what it said uh, there, remember Lot's wife, she just uh, lost her life because she looked back. You can become so accustomed to looking back and entertaining our own wants and ways that, that we cease to move forward, forward and, and be saved. We can become accustomed to it. We, we can become accustomed to constantly looking over our shoulder, fearing that it is chasing us. It's going to reveal, in, reveal to ourselves or others what has been in our past. Uh, there, there are two reasons. We are either worried about what is behind us that will reveal itself in the present or we are constantly looking back because we are tethered to it with a desire in our heart. Right. It's you, and both are found in fear. Right. Both those things are found in fear. Right. We keep looking back because we're fearful. We're fe fearful that we can't get away from it, and we're fearful that we can't, we can't keep it. And so we just keep looking back. You cannot continually look back in your life and move forward in God. It cannot be that 
Everybody still with me? I feel very preachy about this today. So everybody hang on. We cannot continually be tethered to sin and wrong and, and our past and think that we are going to live victoriously and joyously in the present. If we are constantly questioning what we believe and why we believe it, then we'll find our stu- ourselves stuck and stagnated in a place that God cannot deal with us because we are debating with him so much that we just don't accept the truth. At some point, you've got to step out in faith out of the boat into a storm and realize that you're going to walk on water, not because of what you know, but because of who he is. It's not about how I can figure it out. Come on, there are some things that I have figured out that I'm not going to figure out. Anybody? Huh? I, I have just accepted the fact that there are some things that I'm not going to completely understand and I'm not going to completely know, but that is not going to cancel out my relationship with God. I'm not going to let it get in the way of me in heaven. I have made up, anybody? I have made up my mind that I am going to move forward, that I am going to live for God and I'm not going to keep going back and I'm not going to be tethered to the wrong and I'm not going to live in a life of regret and I'm not going to have bitterness in my heart and I'm not going to look for what's wrong in your life and what's wrong in their life or what's wrong about the church because there's always something wrong in your life. There is always something wrong in my life and there's always something wrong with the church. But oh, God be praised. Amen. God glorified that he is good and that he is righteous and he's worth living for. We can become so accustomed to looking back that it becomes just the natural response of our life. We can become so accustomed with constantly looking over our shoulder that it becomes the habit and the haunt that we are. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. When we come to Jesus, there are things in our life that should never be built or blessed again. Yes. Everybody, when we come to Jesus, there are things in our life that should never be built or blessed Again, we don't pat it on the back. We don't bid it Godspeed. Why? Because the word told us that when we do those things, we become a partaker of the evil deeds. There's just some things we don't say God bless to. There's just some things we don't say it's okay. There's just some things we don't approve of. We erase them from our contacts. Uh, We avoid the presence of them. We don't commune or communicate with them. You say, well, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. Let me take you to the word. If I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Come on, you've got to move forward from it. The pieces of the past of our life, the things that invited the sin or tempted our thoughts or fostered feelings are not welcome. Like in Adam and Eve, we are warned to not even touch the fruit, let alone consume the fruit. We don't even have anything to do with it. Come on. If you're in a proximity of sin that is constantly being entertained in your life, you need to cut that sin off. If there are things that you are, that you are, are tethered to, you need to decide today it is not worth going to hell for. Right. That there is something greater in grace to great gain in God. That you have a promise in him, not a promise in this world. There is no hope in this world, but there is hope in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Casting down. Imaginations. Everybody say imagination. Imagination. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought. Everybody say every thought. Every Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Simply stated, we don't even think about it. That's what the word's saying here. We bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We don't even think about it. 
Uh, we bring the thought into captivity. We don't let it run free in our mind. Yes. Anybody understand what I'm talking about when I say that? We don't let it just keep turning over and over and over and over. We don't drive down the road and forget the miles that we have drove because we have been uh, captivated by thoughts that are just churning in our mind yeah. and imagining things that are not there, thinking things about our brothers and our sisters that we shouldn't be thinking. Amen? Well, you don't know whether they looked at me. Have you ever thought they just had a sour stomach that day and they really weren't looking at you? Huh? Well, you don't know, you don't know what they, they said to me. No, I don't know what they said to you, but I know what he said. You don't know what they did to me. I don't know what they did to me. And really, it doesn't matter what they did because I know what he did for all of us at Calvary. Anybody getting this? We don't keep looking back because if we keep looking back, we'll never go forward. We don't keep looking over our shoulder. We, we, don't, we don't hold on to the past. We don't, we don't hold on to the bitterness. We don't, I believe this today. Come on, I've seen it destroy people's lives. I've had the perspective of the pulpit this many years to know that when we hold on to certain things, it dries us up. It drains the life out of us. We lose the joy. We lose the love. We lose the reason from going forward. You got to let it go. We don't think about it. Before a sin is acted on or, 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 or a sin is returned to, let me word it that way. Before a sin is ever acted on or a sin is returned to or bitterness takes root or unforgiveness finds footing, it first starts in the mind, in the thoughts that we think. And if we're ever going to go forward instead of going back to Moab, we have to, we have to arrest those thoughts and make them obedient to the authority of Jesus Christ. What's that mean? He rules and reigns in our mind, not ourselves. Look at this, if you would. Brethren, I count not uh, myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Forget it. That's what he's saying. Forget it. Stop giving it room. Don't, don't let it take up spiritual space in your mind and, and lie. Paul said it was behind him. It was behind him. It was behind him. Look, if you would, please. Uh, we will never move forward if we are constantly putting things that are meant to be behind us in front of us. Cover it with the blood. Put it under the authority of his name. Pray over it and pray through it. Put it behind you. Put that old life behind you. Put that old desire behind you. You say, well, that's easier said than done. I recognize the strength of the flesh, but I also recognize, we just sang about it, the name of Jesus is greater than any habit, than any sin, than anything in our life. Call out that name, think on that name, amen, and be set free this day. I have to preach that. I believe that today. I believe, amen, that you can walk up to this altar here in a moment. Anybody with me right now? I believe you can walk up to this altar here in a moment and any habit in your life, any sin in your life, anything that's going wrong in your life, you can put it under the authority of the name of Jesus, underneath the blood of Jesus Christ, and you can be healed and you can be delivered in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Come on, I've seen many of people. Amen, some of you are sitting in the sound of my voice right now. I won't call your name out, but understand this. I've seen some of you walk down to this altar because you've talked to me about it. And I've seen you lay it on the altar. And I've seen you walk away from a habit that you had in your life for years. And God delivered you in a moment. Was it easy? Probably not. Was it for it? And, and was God for it? And was it good for your life? Absolutely so. So can I tell you, don't sit there in that pew and die. Get up, get to this altar and realize that God is greater than your sin. And God's greater than any habit. And God's greater than any wrong in your life. I'm way outside my notes now, so everybody stick with me for a minute here. We have depreciated grace to the point to where we make grace about God just turning a blind eye to our sins because after all, there's grace. Uh, and, and God's going to be good to us and he's going to forgive us. Yes, he will. Absolutely so. But at some point in our relationship and walk with God, God expects us to stand up and to recognize we got a problem. Right. Huh? Right. We got a problem. Right. And that problem is coming between us and God. It's holding me back from going to where I need to be in him. It's keeping me from victory. And can I tell you the ultimate result? Everybody here, I need to preach this today. I recognize it may be uncomfortable for some folks, but the ultimate result of sin is death. Come on. It is spiritual death. It is being lost for eternity. We still believe that, don't we? It still comes in between us and God and our relationship with him and our ultimate salvation. Sin separates us from God. It cannot agree. And so we have to recognize that if we are continually going back to where dead things are in our life, we will never go to where the bread of life is. Hmm. Hmm. We will never move forward if we are constantly putting things that are meant to be behind us in front of us. The more that we give it space, the more that it will take. The more space that we give to sin, the more that it will take up in our life. Be it a sin or a habit or a thought in our mind or an action in our life, it will take more space. Look at this. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints, <laughs> all of us here, that we might be able to comprehend what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Hmm. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Comprehend, he said, comprehend the breadth the length, the depth, the height, the, in other words, the capacity of God. Comprehend the, the capacity of God. God is, hear me, in other words, what he's saying here, can I just say it this way? God is bigger than your sin. God is bigger than your problem. He is bigger than your hurt. He is bigger than your past. He is bigger than your present. He is bigger than your habit. He is bigger than your justification of that habit. He is bigger than your feelings. He is bigger than that offense. He's bigger than your brain. He's bigger than your problem. I believe that God is bigger than my problem. We need to get filled. In other words, what he was saying, we need to get filled with the fullness of God. Uh, um, uh, when we get full of God, there's no room for the rest of what's trying to destroy us. We comprehend the breadth, the height, the capacity of God. We see God in the greatness that he is, that all my situations in life have to come under the authority of the greatness of his name and who he is when I call on that name, yes, Jesus. 
there is, uh, there's this little painting that I keep in my office on my shelf. I should have brought it out. It's just, just about that big that I, uh, I keep in my office on, on, a, on my shelf to my right uh, that I bought years ago from this little struggling artist on a, uh, down at a restaurant on a beach somewhere down in Florida. By, they were trying to sell their wares and, sh- and she was painting and I liked it. And so she needed help and I thought I need to know this. And, and it just simply says, uh, it just simply says, don't look back. Uh, you're not going that way. I know you've all heard that phrase and I, I know you all know that, but, uh, but I just keep it there and remind myself there is nothing behind me that is worth going back for. I have determined in my life. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you something personal here. I have lived in my life, uh, determined in my life that I'm not going to live a life of regret. Uh, I, I, I see people all the time that have a problem with me through the years. They've been here, they've gone, whatever the case. I can walk up to anybody and shake their hand and love them. I'm not going to let anything get in my heart. Come on, you might as well preach with me for a second. I don't care what they did to me. I don't care what they said about me. And I've had things said about me. I'm not going to let it get in my heart and cause me to be lost. Anybody else feel that way in this church right now? I'm not going to let anything get in my heart and cause me to be lost. I'm not going to keep looking back in my life with regret and thinking this and thinking that. I'm going to look forward to that one thing, Jesus Christ. Come on, if you've got a problem in your heart today with somebody, you need to get it taken care of because there is nothing worth going to hell for. Come on, some of you men, you need to be men about it. Some of you ladies, you need to be ladies about it. Get up, don't let the devil keep you cornered. Fight out of that corner. I don't care what they did to you in the past or what that parent did or what that family member said or how it went bad and how it went wrong because God is right. You say, but it hurts. I recognize it. It hurts. But I recognize that he bore stripes for my healing. He was bruised. He was wounded. He paid every price so that you wouldn't have to continually pay the bill in your life. And can I say something? You don't have to pay it twice. Amen. Amen. You don't have to keep trying to pay something that he's already paid for. Anybody understand that? You understand that? You don't have to keep trying to pay for something that he has already paid for. Listen, if I take you out to eat, Daniel, if I take you out to eat and I pay for your bill and uh, where do you want to go? Red Lobster. We're going to Red Lobster. Okay. Okay. So we're at Red Lobster. I pay for Daniel's bill. And uh, so Daniel comes up. He's got all the money and... uh, and working hard. I don't know if you're working. Are you working? He's working. He's working hard. And, and so he's going to pay for his bill. And, and the person says, uh, uh, you, you know, it's, it's already been taken care of. Daniel says, well, no, I, I still want to pay it. No, it's already been paid for. No, but I, I, I feel like I owe it. No, you don't owe anything that guy already paid for. Are you getting this? It's that simple. It doesn't have to complicate this. Um, but, but, I, but I feel like I need to pay it because I ate it after all. I ordered it. I asked for it. No, that guy paid for it. Why do you keep asking God? Uh, you know, I, I got to pay for it, God. I got to pay my dues. I got to pay my penance. No, he already paid for it. Stop being hurt about it. Stop having an offense in your life about it. Stop blaming them and blaming this and blaming that. God already paid the price. You can be set free today. It's paid for. Anybody understand that right now? You don't know what I did, Brother Noel. You don't know what I said. 
You don't know how bad it was. No, I don't have to know. Nobody has to know because the one who knows all things decided he would cast it into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. So stop trying to pull it out of there. You're forgiven. (laughs) There's nothing back there. There's nothing back there in Moab. Musicians come. There's only death and defeat and hunger back there in Moab. Stop trying to go back to that. Moab always falls just short of the promised land. Do you get that? It always falls just short of the promised land. Sin and self and all the things that try to hold you back from going forward always come up short for what God has for you. God never meant for you to go back to that old life. Somebody hearing me right now? You came to church today to hear that. You may not want to hear it because your flesh doesn't want to hear it. But God never meant for you to go back to that old life. He never meant for you to go back to where those things had you bound. There's no joy there. There's no hope there. There's no life there. Mm -mm. No. And it came to pass that when he, when his time was come, that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus set his face to go to where he needed to be, the cross. He set his face to go to where he needed to be for you and I. It should be that we set our face now to go to him. Not looking back, not going back. The past and pain have nothing to offer us. Don't turn your back on, 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 the, on the everything for the nothing. Mm. Don't turn your back on the everything for the nothing. Don't go back. There's too much at stake in eternity. It's quickly before us and there's nothing worth consuming in Moab. Do you understand that? There's nothing worth consuming in Moab. Only things that will consume you. Only things that will get in your heart and your life and destroy you. And it doesn't stop there. It goes on to everybody else around us and the kids and the friends and the families. This is not about our temporary feelings because often the case is, and I'm done. This is not, often the case is we, we base relationship and, and, uh, and God and, and, and service and church, we base it on temporary feelings. And, and can I tell you, you cannot base eternal decisions on temporary feelings. Anybody understand that here today? You can't continue to base eternal decisions on temporary feelings because temporary feelings will fool me. Temporary feelings make me look back. Temporary pulls, feelings, emotions in my life make me turn around. They make me lose forward progress. And when I do that, I am sacrificing eternal reward for temporary feelings. This is about our eternal salvation. This is about Jesus. Let me go back to when Peter began to sink. It was just simply when he took his eyes off Jesus. That's, that was, there, was nothing, there was nothing theologically profound in that moment. It was just simply that that he took his eyes off Jesus and he started watching all the winds and the waves. My, don't the winds and the waves get us, just get us fixated sometimes. But there's somebody greater than the wind and the wave in your life. His name is Jesus. And he's here to save you today. He's here to, he's here to save you today. Repent and be baptized in his name and filled with the spirit. He's here to deliver your mind. He's here to set you free from the thoughts that you've been battling with all week long, from the habits that just keep creeping up on you from the life that just keeps calling you back. Come on, he paid the price so that you wouldn't have to. Somebody love God with me right now as we stand to our feet and we begin to make our way to this altar and we come here and we bring everything that's broken and everything that's questioned and everything that just doesn't seem to work and we recognize, come on, God's got something for us forward, in front of us. 
that we might be saved and we might find life more abundantly in the breadbasket that he is. Come on, pray with me now. Can you lift your voice and lift your hearts and lift your hands as they begin to sing and, and we make our way to this altar. Pray with me, God, I believe in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord. I pray set the captive free. Somebody that's captivated in their heart and has been captivated for some time. Set them free today. Somebody that's struggled with something in their life that they just can't seem to get over. Help them to know, Lord, today that you're bigger than that is. To understand the breadth, the, the height, the, the depth, the fullness of you, God. The capacity that you are, that you're greater than everything. Come on, pray it today. Oh God, you're greater than what I've been dealing with, God.